Good evening and welcome to Point of View. I'm Chris Berg. Thank you so much for joining us. Coming up later in the show, Heidi Heitkamp. She has just one regret as a U.S. Senator. I'm going to ask you tonight if you, if you can guess what that one regret might be. To me, it was pretty shocking. We'll see how you feel about it later in the show. First, this is so important, why we must build the wall with a big, beautiful door. That is the subject of tonight's point of view. Big article came out over the weekend suggesting that President Trump has not built one single new mile of wall. Could bring this graphic up, please. As president of the United States. Now, one new mile of wall has been there where any wall has been before. Yeah, we've obviously reconstructed some wall. We've done some of those things. But as far as actually new wall being put in the ground to extend the wall that we currently have from the 2006-2007 Secure Fence Act, According to this article, there has been none. And the problem is because there is no wall that's been built, it could be, and we'll show you tonight, how it could be costing us both American and foreign lives. But get this, though. Let me remind you, I want to know who has built some brand new wall along our southern border? Yeah, that would be Fisher Industries from North Dakota. Remember, they're working with the We Build the Wall group down in the El Paso area. They have that, got that privately funded organization through the GoFundMe page. They're down by El Paso. they got a big event coming up this week, and we'll tell you about later in the show. But check this out. This is why I say this wall is so important. I spoke with Tommy Fisher earlier today. He said, Chris, we put up half a mile of wall in about 10 days. The area where we put this brand new, brand new wall up, before they put the wall up, there's anywhere from like 10 to 100 illegals crossing a day, just depended on obviously the day. Since they've put the brand new wall in there, guess how many illegals have crossed the border since then? If you guessed zero, zilch, nada, you are spot on. So building the wall, one very important thing to keep the illegals out, keep that in mind. I'll talk more about that in a moment. But not only do we need, obviously, build the wall, and I'm saying finish the wall with Fisher Industries, let's be honest, folks, we also have to change these ridiculously weak and dumb immigration and asylum laws. I want to give you some very specific examples. As I'm sure many of you saw last week, uh, we, meaning the United States of America, we caught 22 MS-13 gang members, 19 of them, 19 of them illegal, illegal immigrants, aren't supposed to be in this country. And here's the thing, guys. They are out there viciously murdering people, some in their teens, some early 20s. Let me give you an example. One was a, a young man that uh, ended up spray painting over the MS-13 gang signs. So a kid to face some gang signs, right? What would you do? Well, if you're MS-13, apparently you take these young people, you take them up into the woods of L.A., chop them up with machetes, and I'm not making this up. This is in the indictment. They literally cut the person's heart out of them. Remember when President Trump called MS-13 guys animals? Remember that? Bad hombres? And then Speaker Pelosi shows up and goes, you mean President Trump doesn't recognize their spark of divinity? <laughs> it's a sick story, So, but what is Pelosi talking about? Spark of divinity with people that are using machetes to cut up young people and literally cutting their hearts out. And you've got Nancy Pelosi talking about sparks of divinity. These people should have never stepped foot in our nation and costing lives of young, I'm presuming Americans. Some of these may have been immigrants themselves, maybe even illegals, but they're young men. They're young men getting just killed in very barbaric ways. Also, check this out. This story is absolutely stunning. We've got an angel mom. If you know an angel mom, 
That is a mom who has lost a son or a daughter or a loved one to an illegal immigrant, Marianne Mendoza. Uh, she lost her son, who was a law enforcement officer, to an illegal immigrant that was driving while under the influence. So for years now, she's been out speaking out about, hey, look, guys, we need to put our laws in place, law and order, law and order. President Trump talked about that throughout his campaign. So she's been tweeting about this for years. I'm going to give you a couple examples of what she tweeted out as of recently. One she put out to Kamala Harris and said, hey, Kamala Harris, what law can I break and have you defend me so staunchly? Provide me sanctuary from our laws. Political cleanup from your inaction for decades is what it's called. You have hashtag blood on your hands for every death of an American killed by an illegal alien criminal you are protecting. I think strong language there. So, all right, she lost her son. She's angry. She also tweeted this out. She said, at Speaker Pelosi, Americans are torn apart every hour by illegal alien criminals. Every hour, there are a few others as well. And now, a few others, excuse me, every hour. So we've got that tweet as well. Here's what's happening, though, guys. She had some other tweets as well. I don't have those ones specifically up here. But none of them, except for the hashtag blood on your hands, violent in any way, shape, or form. This angel mom has since been banned from Twitter and is now in Facebook jail. Okay, she's been tweeting this kind of stuff for years and years and years, but now just as of late, banned from Twitter, put in Facebook jail. Here's the interesting coincidence. Two days before this happened, guess what? If we can bring this graphic up, please. It was announced two days before the Twitter ban and Facebook jail, she was put on the Women for Trump advisory board. Hmm, coincidence? Probably not. So to me, that's shocking. Then we've got this as well. We've got a, an unbelievable story that happened in Iowa as of late, but I want to give you one more pretty stunning story, and that is this. So we all know that President Trump had announced there was going to be what I call ICE, ICE law enforcement actions. Many people that want to uh, denigrate our great law enforcement might call them ICE raids, but this is what ICE guys do every single day and women. So ICE law enforcement actions. President Trump announces that because... Keep in mind, these people had actually gone through the adjudication process here in America. They've had their due process, and now a federal judge, a federal judge says, hey, you need to be deported, okay? You don't meet the asylum criteria. You don't meet our immigration standards. You need to get deported. These people are staying in our country, even though a federal judge has told them they must leave, okay? Seems pretty obvious that we're going to obviously uphold the law in this outstanding republic, and yet now we've got the Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services, otherwise known as Lutheran Social Services here locally, now coming together and calling on clergy to help illegal immigrants uh, essentially break the law. Here's a quote from the new CEO from the Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services talking about her call for clergy to help out. It's called United Sanctuaries of America. It was in response to the threat of mass deportations. It was a recognition that sanctuary has been something that churches, synagogues um, have been, uh, you know, along with other houses of worship have been providing for not just decades, but truly centuries. But it's also consistent with American federal policy, whether it's been the Bush administration, the Obama administration, or the Trump administration, there's always been a recognition that churches as well as schools provide safe spaces. And so we have been rallying a call to action where churches, faith-based organizations, community-based organizations, individuals have responded to this national effort 
to provide sanctuary to the most vulnerable families, children who are being targeted by these raids. So just to be clear, you've got an NGO organization getting federal tax dollars, now calling on the clergy to provide a sanctuary for people that are here illegally. Some may say, hey, that's fine. Others may disagree with that stance. I know many of you uh, get fired up with what's happening with Lutheran social services here in our area. So we'd love to know your thoughts on that organization now calling on clergy to protect illegal immigrants. I bring all of this up tonight because I had a chance to visit with a friend of mine earlier today about a situation in Iowa that again demonstrates, hey, if we just simply upheld the law, we would be saving lives, and not just American lives, but foreign lives as well. So earlier today, I talked about a story that recently took place in Iowa with our friend from a Mexican crossing lines, Cindy Gomez Shemp. Cindy, welcome back to the show. Great to have you here. So you told me the story of what happened in Iowa earlier today. You obviously know it better than I do, so I'm going to let you sort of lay it out for our audience and tell the people what's happening. Well, it's a really horrific story. Um, a man uh, from Guatemala who was in the country illegally, he'd been deported twice before, was living with his second wife and two children in Des Moines, Iowa, and he took in a family of Honduran's uh, mother and her two children of 11. and he had paid for her coyote uh, in this atmosphere of political asylum seeking. Um, I assume that you know he offered her like you know come over here while the getting's good, and then while they were living in her home in his home. Uh, he waited for his wife and children to go out one day and then told her that she had to have sex with him or else. Uh, when she refused, he then murdered her and her two children in the home and then had the audacity to call the authorities, call 911 and say that she had killed her own children and then tried to attack him and that he had killed her in self-defense. And in fact, he didn't even realize that he had not been believed until he was in court. And they, through the translator, he wanted to know why he was being charged for three murders instead of just the one against the woman. And they told him because there was a witness and the ballistics and the other evidence don't line up. Help you understand what's going on. He said he'd been, been deported twice. So if, if someone's been deported twice, how do they come back into our country? Start, he had a roofing business. Start a roofing business. He was employing people, was employing this woman, as you mentioned, paid a coyote to bring her up here. The way that a lot of the people that are seeking asylum are, a lot of those folks, and I'm not saying all of them, Chris, but, but a lot of them but, can't come into this country because they've been deported before. Or how they do you have, know he was seeking asylum? I mean, that, that I think... I don't, me, I don't think he was seeking asylum. That's what I'm saying. I he think that the twice. family might have been uh, seeking asylum or, uh, you know, using the loophole of the asylum seekers right now to come into the country. But a lot of the folks that are coming here wouldn't have any other way of coming into the country, either through a work visa or some other legal means. Many of them, in fact, have warrants out for their arrest in their home countries and or in the United States. So this, this loophole is allowing a lot of people that we would never want in our country to come in in mass. And so why wouldn't we want this man in this country? There's an important piece, in my opinion, that you're not mentioning. He is a known... He is a, a domestic abuser. His ex-wife actually divorced him because of the domestic abuse. And then, of course, you know, this happened because he was never punished. He wasn't punished for the two other times that he came in illegally. He wasn't 
you know, removed from the United States back to his country, and then you know he continued to do domestic abuse on this. So uh, this the wife is the that he had. kind of person I'm presuming. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is the kind of person I'm presuming that if there was ICE law enforcement actions, this is the kind of person they'd be looking for. Correct. And yet now we've got an organization saying, "Hey." Come stay with us. We'll give you sanctuary. Yeah. In fact, when they found him, ICE discovered that he had been deported twice before and said he could be facing 20 years in prison just for those federal crimes alone. And I think it's important to note, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, but look, I, I'm bringing this up. As I said earlier in the show, we need immigrants in this country. We've got more job openings right now than we do people that can actually fill them. So I want to be clear, this is not a you know anti-immigrant conversation, but it's anti-bad hombres, right? We don't want people like this coming into our country. That's why we need a merit-based immigration system. And the family that he killed was Honduras. I mean, they were not American citizens, correct? Mm -hmm. And the man that killed them is from Guatemala. And in fact, he had spent a couple of years living with her family in her country at some point with his ex-wife, which is why she felt that it would be okay to come and have him repay the favor. But here's the thing. You know, Mexico has had an open border for far too long. Marcelo Ebrard, the chancellor of Mexico, in a press conference today said that we haven't been following our own laws. We now have to enforce them because it's become a serious problem, and the U.S. has to do the same thing. I want to get your uh, comment on one last thing before we move on, and that is this. There was a recent poll that came out that showed that even Mexicans now are sick and tired of all the migrants that are coming up from the Northern Triangle. And, you know, we were all told here in America, oh, you don't like migrants coming in, that must mean you're racist. Your thoughts on how Mexicans saying, hey, we don't want them coming through here either. They're not sick of migrants. They're sick of criminals. They're sick of people raping. They're sick of people stealing. They're sick of people looting. They're sick of people using drugs in the open. They're sick of people defecating and urinating in public spaces. They're sick of that. And I think that when the United States sees more and more of these kinds of crimes and the kinds of things where Border Patrol are being attacked now, uh, you know, violently, we're going to have to take some action to stop it, just the way that Mexico's doing. Great stuff, as always. Appreciate the insight. Pretty shocking story there, again. And, and the reason I bring, wanted to bring in Cindy tonight is because, look, we hear a lot of stories. I told you at the beginning of the show about MS-13 in L.A., and somebody said, well, that's, that's Cal. This was Des Moines, Iowa, folks. I mean, that's, that's, to me, just like North Dakota. This is Des Moines, Iowa. person there ends up killing a wife and two, I mean, an 11-year-old and a 5-year-old. That's what's such a troubling story to me. Again, thank you so much. Uh, all right, I want to share this with you. There's a brand new, very, very long piece in the New Yorker magazine about former Minnesota U.S. Senator Al Franken and his decision to resign. Really fascinating piece. I'm going to tell you why in a moment. But former North Dakota U.S. Senator Heidi Heitkamp is a part of the piece. The reporter uh, went up to her and, and basically was like, you know, hey, your thoughts on the fact that you called on. Remember, Senator Heidi Heitkamp, an attorney, understands due process, came out of the gates to say we need zero tolerance. Al Franken must resign. You've got eight women that have accused him now of inappropriate behavior. We all remember this picture of Al Franken with uh, Miss Tweeden when they were over on a USO tour. That was the one that really sparked it because that was the evidence, the evidence that many other people that were going through these Me Too allegations, i.e. Brett Kavanaugh, didn't have there. So keep in mind, Heidi Heitkamp is a woman who says, look, I stand up for women. I want to champion women's rights. I'm going to go out there and fight for women. She's the same person who outed sexual assault survivors. Remember that big piece you put out and she was going to out sexual assault survivors without their permission. These people had no idea they were going to be put in this quote-unquote newspaper advertisement. And then the most unfortunate piece as well is that there were women's names in that advertisement that weren't even sexual assault survivors. You had fathers finding out through an ad from Heidi Heitkamp that, wait, what? My daughter? Huh? Like, 
had no idea and they were totally out it so for a woman who says hey i'm going to be a, a champion for women you out sexual assault survivors you think that would probably be one of if not your biggest regrets as a u.s senator right seems pretty obvious not according to heidi eidgamp when she was asked hey what would you regret the most as a u.s senator here's what she had to say in this new york article if there's one decision i've made that i would take back not the one about the sexual assault survivors. It's the decision to call for his resignation, meeting Al Franken. It was made in the heat of the moment without concern for exactly what this was. Would love to know your point of view on that. And I would encourage you to read this piece. It's a very lengthy piece, but I think what's fascinating is they've got a bunch of Democrat senators in there that talk, other people that know Al Franken. And I think the theme of the story is the fact that as we look back, folks, this is what they say essentially, as we look back, we jumped the gun. We forgot all about the beauty of this country and the fact that you've got due process and you're innocent until proven guilty. We know now in today's you know, news media, it's very easy to get ahead of your skis. We do our best here on Point of View not to do that. And we reminded Heidi Heitkamp, hey, don't, don't get ahead of your skis on this one. She did, and now apparently she regrets that decision. So please share your point of view with us on that.